Everybody, welcome into a special edition of the Daily Energy Newsbeat stand-up here on this gorgeous Friday, July 14th, 2023. As always, I'm your humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, joined by Stuart Turley, bringing you our weekly recap um, where we cover and replay all of the top segments from last week. Man, it was a busy week, Stu. We had a lot of good stories. Oh, you can't beat it when you've got a uh, train, high-speed train in uh, California that's been 15 years in the making and 7,000% over budget. You can't yeah, buy I mean, that kind of entertainment. That's just one of the the, the, the stories that, that that we ran last week. The team does a great job of curating um, and, and picking our top segment. Um, but before we dive into that, guys, again, www.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your energy and oil and gas news. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to the weekly recap. Folks, we'll see you Monday. Uh, this one reeks of uh, potential like... Uh... Hey, where's my crayon? Uh, Venezuela looks to pay down $20 billion in U.S. debt with oil exports. Why is there an estimated $6 billion price difference? Uh, there's a B there. Uh, refresh your, your screen. So when uh, you take a look at this, Michael, why are we allowing uh, Venezuela to get use oil in trade Okay, now the way I did, I took a look at this, parting with 200,000 barrels uh, of uh, barrels per day of its crude that generates much needed revenues, but they're going to give it to the United States in lieu of uh, doing that. And I started doing my crayon. There's $6 billion difference between what they would sell it to us for, supposedly. And, you know, where is that price difference? I'll have to, I'm going to put a spreadsheet in here uh, for the folks that'll be on here. Uh, when you start having 20 billion and then the 14 billion is what Venezuela is really going to get credit for, what is that $6 billion difference going to do, Michael? That seems a little odd to me. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm on. I don't. I'm gonna have to see this crayon and this napkin that you're using. So I'm gonna. You're gonna need. This is like the the missing 13 minutes on the Nixon files. Like it, it I'm is. Gonna, where's the missing napkin? Where is it? I'm gonna need your crayon math on that I, one. I can't All trust. I know is this right now. There's 200,000 under this newly proposal. 200,000 barrels of crude oil per day that's being diverted to China would currently be diverted, basically cost-free to the United States. I mean, basically what it would be doing is it would generate revenues that would immediately go back into paying off the values. You got to remember, Sitgo, which is Venezuela's most prized possession, sits within the United States. So it's already been seized. So now all of a sudden, there's not much else to do other than go get some free oil. This proposal still requires sign-off from the Maduro regime. Um, you also have to remember, guys, in January, Washington went ahead and signed off on a license that would allow Chevron to ship 134,000 barrels um, per day of Venezuelan crude up to the United States coast. Venezuela is currently exporting about 715,000 barrels right. per day and refined products. So remember, they do some refiners okay. down there. That And that's up over the last year. Okay, here's a squirrel for you in the hamster wheel. Okay, if... Uh, we sit back and take a look. There also is Biden has, has kicked out more SPR releases. I'm trying to get information on that as well, too. So we're also lowering our strategic oil reserves while this kind of crap is going on. What's going on? 
Shell CEO dreams of leaving UK for greener and more profitable pastures in the US. This brings up a bunch of different questions. I love the picture. The picture is a big shell on fire, <laughs> like hell. You know, I don't know where, where that really came from. But remember, Shell was over in the Netherlands in, in Dutch, and then they moved to the UK. Now, UK is coming in with a windfall profit tax. Yes. Oh, so Shell, who went totally ESG and said, we're getting out of the oil and gas business. So they moved to the UK because the Netherlands was also trying to get out of um, that. Oh, they have a lot of natural gas fields there. Oh, they need them now. So. The U.S., why would any business want to come to the U.S. with our administration? Well, because it's not the U.K.'s administration. I mean, it's absolutely clear that even a Democratic administration here is going to be a little bit nicer to the industry than what goes on in the U.K. I mean, I think it's interesting. It's purely financials, though. What's interesting is that Shell does trade at a discount relative to its U.S. counterparts. That's in that paragraph. Points that out. He acknowledged in an interview. He he called it quote the valuation gap between them, and it's truly that. It's just a valuation gap. I mean, they had record profits in 2022 of over 40 billion dollars. That's huge. That would put that. I mean, it would be It's it's absolutely insane. So you know. I think the, well, what's interesting is, okay, now are they relocating their headquarters to the U.S.? Probably not, but it might be interesting to think about it. Let me ask you this, because you're usually very good about picking this up. Do you think that this was one of those posts or articles that they lobbed out there to try to get a waiver from the windfall profits tax? No, I think this is this seems to be a little bit. This is not necessarily from Shell direct. Like this is somebody's interpretation of what Shell is doing. Shell has come out. What has Shell come out and said? They've come out now and said they're moving more towards U.S. return and investing more into the United States. What does that mean? Could mean a lot of stuff. Does it mean they want to? ultimately move to the United States because the UK government is screwing them out of, you know, excess profits from windfall taxes. It's likely probably it's, it's, it's a small likelihood. I don't think necessarily more likely than what exactly this, you know, the CEO will give him credit. Waylon Swan, CEO of Shell. He, this quote unquote valuation gap between where Shell sits and where these large, you know, uh, where Exxon and Chevron and ConocoPhillips sit. So That's probably got more to do with it in that if you get more involved in the United States oil and gas oh. business, maybe there's more. To it. It's, I mean, you know, it's yep. bad when companies are trying when you're trying to get more involved with the U.S. oil and gas business. That's when, you know, it's gone completely south. <laughs> exactly. You know we need more of yeah. we need more 500 quality drilling locations. Yeah. We need uh, high quality. I wonder who they can call for some high quality drilling locations. Oh, I got a few. You got a few in your backyard? I do. Um, Let's move to this next one, Stu. Tell us how batteries and renewables are saving us. I love this article. It was great. Uh, At first, I thought it was a picture of the view. It was uh, one uh, for our podcast listeners, a picture of a cow. And I really thought it was a picture of one of the members on the view. So, you know, sorry, that's what attracted me. Um, to the article. So when we're sitting here along with Texas, um, the South, Texas, Michael, has some of the single best. We are now just recently outperforming California in the amount of renewable energy used on the grid. 
So Texas is not only are we oil and gas, we're renewable. We we got nuclear. And so, hey, I'm all about Texas. Love me some Texas. Yes. I think what we have to realize is this. It's the battery storage that's been saving us, not necessarily the dispatchable wind and solar that's been available right now. And we can store electricity and batteries in multiple ways. We can use, you know, so I think that's the critical component to this article. Yes. When you come down into the the storage, now, how much does storage add to the cost per kilowatt per hour in maintenance in adding it in there. And so California, I have to throw that. I have to fact check myself, but I believe it was around 27 cents uh, per kilowatt hour. And Texas is half of that. So uh, a good chunk of our stuff is still natural gas. Mm-hmm. Good. You know, we, and so you sit back and we have four nuclear reactors to the one that uh, California is running. So plus all the people are moving from California uh, to Texas, and I hope they leave their voting policies there. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have to realize Texas accounted for 70 percent of the grid battery additions in the first three months, resulting in thirty three hundred megawatts. So, I mean, it's we've got the grid. The market will come with an efficient way. And solve yes. the problem. We're not, ERCOT wasn't just going to sit around and keep letting this happen again. The market was going to figure it out. And guess what it's finding out? It's storage is what we need. And the money's being funneled into the storage. And, and that's the way it should be because, okay, if you are 100% oil or 100% natural gas and you're going to fail, if you're 100% coal, you're going to fail. Uh, if you're 100% nuclear, you're going to fail. We need all forms of energy to elevate the humanity out of the poverty. Here's where it gets a little silly. You got to balance it out to the lowest kilowatt per hour. Nobody seems to be able to figure that one out. So when you sit back and kind of go, this article is a hoot. Michael Holtz, get ready. We're ready to go on the train. I'm ready. This high-speed train could be the first to be powered entirely by renewable energy. It's pretty exciting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's go through some. I'm so excited. Oh, Tell me yeah. more, California High Speed Rail Authority. Uh, this high speed train connecting uh, 1,200 kilometers of the state is called a bullet train. That is both one of the most expensive per mile and one of the slowest in the world, Elon Musk said. It was supposed to be a new transport and it started in 2008. And it was supposed to have an original price tag of $33 billion. And it was supposed to open in 2020. In 2023, the system is nowhere near finished and has racked up $19.8 billion so far with an estimated, Michael, are you ready for the drum roll? Yeah, yeah. $28 billion to finish it. Oh, is that $20 to finish? Yeah. What is that, 19? That's, holy, $150 billion? Oh, they get all that they deserve. Oh, they do. And uh, last month, after 15 years of its initial approval, the California Highway High Speed Rail Authority announced the new system would be now fully solar-powered, leaning on its initial promise as an environment-friendly and alternative to highways. Michael, if they've taken 15 years 
and they're seven thousand percent over budget. Do you think they're really going to power this thing later on down yes. in here? It says the high speed trains will have. Uh, let's go through some of those numbers. They will have batteries in case the solar or wind fails while the train is going down the track. Yeah, I what, mean, it's, what do it's, batteries do, Michael? They're going to explode. You're going to literally be on this train, and then you're going to end up on fire. They weigh a lot. Inertia. So not only is this thing going to be a bullet train, it's going to go through 17 states on the way to Mexico if it can't stop. It's unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. This just got... We knew we'd have a funding gap ever since the project started. Well, I know... What I know is this. The earlier we build it, the cheaper it will be. That is IR guy of the week right there, baby. Yeah, that is IR. We just build it now. It's going to be the cheapest it'll ever be. <laughs> I'm going to start using that excuse with my bank. Uh, yeah, no. They, they, got to buy it now. We got to love David Blackman. Woo! Biden is spreading around green subsidies like a Vegas gambler. This one was really pretty funny. I talked to David about this this morning. Reuters, Reuters. Uh, reported uh, a project on Monday, a new low-carbon ammonia manufacturing facility being built in Texas by a Dutch company, OCI, with an initial investment of $1 billion. OCI builds the plant as the first in the world that will capture and store 95% of the emissions created from the making of ammonia. Uh, mm -hmm. Great. Well, what are you going to do with it? Yeah, I mean... If, if you didn't realize that subsidies were that the only reason a lot of this stuff is getting built because of the subsidies, well, wake up. The subsidies are there to be grabbed and OCI is grabbing them. That's a straight quote out from El Hashi. <laughs> I love this quote down at the bottom, but billions of dollars of subsidies for green innovations of all sorts, for battery backing capacity, for mining lithium and other minerals and for purchasing EVs are all in place. Thus, rent-seeking companies love a good economics throw in there. Rent-seeking companies are going to cash out on the rents that are available, betting that the rest of the necessary equation will work itself out. Yep. The real question is, it probably won't work itself out. Well, they don't even have an order. They don't have any customers. They don't. This is a really not so good business model. No, nope, not right. a great business model.